All right, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and if that was the first time you heard that and you just realized it was Mother's Day, just stay cool. There's still time. You can sneak out. Don't make any quick movements, uh, but you'll have time after service to make sure you take care of that. Uh, no, but happy Mother's Day, and if you are a mother, we do have a gift for you in the back. Make sure you pick up one of these bags on the way out, just something for you moms this morning, so thank you again. Uh, my name is Justin, so please join me in prayer. All right, Father, just thank you so much for moms. Thank you for your awesome plan, Lord, and uh, your design, and that mothers are a part of it, Lord. We're just so grateful for that. Lord, and for each uh, person here, we know where each of us are at. You know what brought us here today, Lord. You know what our struggles are. You know things that are going well. We just lift absolutely everything up to you, Lord. We just praise you. Um, we know that you're in control and we're not. We thank you for that. And uh, also, Lord, for today's message, um, we know that your hand is on it and Bill as he delivers it. It's in your son's holy, holy and precious name. Amen. All right, we've got a little video to get us started, so enjoy. For the moms who raised us up, gave us hope, and made us strong. For the young moms who became moms sooner than expected and gave it all they had. For the single moms who had to figure out how to do this on their own. For those who never got called mom, but who cared for us all like a mom would. For the hurting moms who've loved and lost but never given up. For the praying moms who don't always know what to do, but always know who to talk to. For the working moms, the stay-home moms, the cooking moms, and the takeout moms. For taking care of us when you barely had enough time to take care of yourself. For teaching us how to walk and how to make a difference. For the late night snuggles and the early morning pancakes. For sitting with us after our first breakup. For lifting us up when others put us down. For the rides, the meals, the laundry, and the birthday parties. For the years, tears, laughter, and love. It's not enough, but we want to say thank you. Thank you for doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. We love you. We honor you. We remember you. We thank you. Yeah! Moms, happy Mother's Day. What, what a response is that? Happy Mother's Day? Thank you. We all thank you, by the way. And of course, don't forget to pick up your Mother's Day bag on the way out so you can buy snacks for me. Um, they're, they're there. Uh, great tribute, uh, by the way, to mom in the video that we just saw. We're, we're told scripturally that we should honor those to whom honor is due. And that really is our goal today as, as we talk about moms. Uh, they, they do so much for each of us. This last verse uh, comes out of the book of Psalms, and it talks about a mom and a wife. She looks well to the ways of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children, and here's the blessing, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also gives her praises. You know, one of the things that uh, the, the joy of, of being, if you will, in a family and, and having a mom. We're, we talk about moms today as we start out. I, I did this last night, but I want to thank my wife, Ronnie, for being a bodacious mom. In hard times, I spent years overseas when the kids were very young, terrorizing, running around, burning the house down. And I was gone for years in Vietnam and different places like that, then on travel and everything that fell out after that. But she, she 
I don't know, I don't know if you can say soldier, soldier edited on or Marine edited on uh, through each of those things. For myself, uh, thanks, hon. Uh, I appreciate that. And I know everyone in here will take the time to, to thank their moms. And with that special blessing, I love that raises up and, and praise her. Uh, but also, getting ready, I, I, I remembered I had a great mom. <clears throat> and this week, we're, we're talking about eternal life, life forever. And so I have a hope for my mom to see her again. I hope to be able to spend eternity with her. You see, this is, this is something that in, in Christ we have this hope, and that's really our, our, our point for today. Uh, I, I look forward to it. She often parented alone. My dad was in the Navy, was gone really half the time through World War II and Korea. Yes, I'm that old. Uh, as they were growing up, we had, there's two of us, my, my brother and myself. He was the good brother. I was that one that was sugar wound and spun around everywhere, wherever I went. Uh, but she loved me. There was never a doubt that she loved me. She was there and, and patient and kind over the years. Even as I grew up and went on with a life and a career, uh, it was a joy to be with her. Uh, over time, she didn't know Christ. I was not raised in a family that knew Christ. And uh, there was a moment in time when my life changed because God touched me, drew me to him. And she watched me for several years and watched the change in my life. I was 33 at the time. And so for the next year or two, she just watched as the drinking went away, the swearing went away, the smoking went away, attitude went away, and things changed. And ultimately, she asked, well, who stole my son? And in, in that discussion that, that followed that, I was able to talk about Christ. She had been watching and observing. And over time, she, I bought her a Bible. She started reading it and actually re read it up till the time of her death. I started watching Christian TV. And uh, I have a hope that I will spend eternity with her. Because I never really properly thanked her here. So I look forward to that that meeting. And that's really the, uh, where, where we're talking about today. Uh, in honoring moms, uh, we want to talk about a specific verse that's in the Bible, and this is, this is really our, our focus for today. Now that we've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, this is a bond slave. This is a, a slave of love to God. This is not a suppressed, beaten down. This is a choice we make to serve him. And, and the fruit that we get leads to sanctification, the transformation of a life. And its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about beyond this momentary, temporary creation that we walk in. You see, eternal life doesn't end. It starts for us at the moment we accept Christ, but, but really, we have a choice where we spend our eternal life. Either we spend it with Christ, or we don't. It's a really simple, straightforward decision that we make. Uh, sanctification, eternal life, is following Christ. We can choose that, or we cannot choose it. You know, today, that's, that is really what we're talking about. This is a big deal. It is based on Jesus Christ and who he is. For those who are 
visiting from Cyberland or visiting here today. This is in the 15th week of a series on the book of Romans. Oh my goodness. We've gone through 15 weeks and we're not done yet. We see daylight, but we're not done. But today's a turning point. Today's a transition. Here's, here's why it's a big deal. Because up to this point, we've been talking about what it means to be a Christian. What is God's plan for Christianity? Uh, how do I enter into eternal life? How do I make that decision inside my life? And, and how do I tell other people about it? The book of Romans gives us hope. And it, because it's a big deal. This eternal life is something we kind of blow off down here, particularly when you're young, you know, oh, that's so far away. But, but that's, that's not really the case because the truth is we're all going to die. We're all going to step from this earth. We're going to step into eternal life with Christ or not. It's, it's appointed, if it will, and this verse says to die. It is, I say this at memorial services, only because of memorial services, I get one shot at a lot of people that, that don't know Christ. And, and so I get to say, oh, by the way, I don't want to pop your bubble here today, but you're going to die. Isn't that kind and loving of me? But it's true, because we all know it. We push it off. It's, it's, someone describes it as bones rattling in the distance as we put off death. But it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. God having, and here's the hope, there comes a judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he bore our sins that we might have eternal life with him. But he's coming again. He's coming a second time, not to deal, if you will, with sin, but to save those. We're looking for that moment. We were talking about it in our Sunday school class today. At the moment, the twinkling of an eye, when Christ comes back, we'll all be transformed. Woo! That is the truth. But the truth is also that here on this earth, we have a, uh, a time, an appointed time. I don't know when that is. I went to Mr. Google for help, because you always go to Mr. Google when you have concerns. So I did a, I did a web search on eternal life. And this is what I got. I went to death. This is me we're talking about here. I went to deathclock.com, and they asked you to put in, when you were born, your birthday. They want your BMI, you know, your height, weight, and age and all that other stuff so they could give you a number. So they take that number, put it through the computer. I did mine January 4th, 1943. I am that old. And it said that I died 1 October 2019. <laughs> but, but I felt good about it because it says, sorry, your time has expired. Have a nice day. Death clock. <laughs> Isn't that thrilling? I talked to someone last night after the service, and he did the same thing a number of years ago. Uh, he was just turning 60 years old, and he went to death clock, Mr. Google, and typed it in, and it said that he had 11 years to live. He looked at that, and he said, I only have 11 years to The next day, he retired. He put his papers in. He says, I'm not going to work until I die. Uh, here we go. Today, we talk about that. I don't know how long you have. I, no one knows. We all have an expiration date. God knew it before the foundation of the world. When he created us, he knew the number of our days. He knows everything. So our, our point today is to, to see where we are. It is for everybody, because, and really for everyone that we care about. Each person, you know, wants to help others into eternal life. We do that. 
Each person wants to go to heaven when we die. For 15 weeks, we've been talking about how to do that. Last week, we pushed ourselves, and I think that's the right decision, after 15 weeks to a decision point. We said last week, this is a decision that we have to make. Looking at all the evidence for 15 weeks, last week, 14 weeks, you must also consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God. You have to consider to think that. Uh, be, you know, at the beginning, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Dion got up and said, we, as, as, if we give our lives to Christ, we die to sin. She said, death is a complete deal. And, and I love that. She's not here so I can really say this too. Because she had a picture. She says, if you're dead, you're like a body laying on the ground. You're dead to sin. It can't hurt you. And so she gave her this. Kicked a dead person. Whole new vision of Dion. Uh, never mind. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Now here's the choice. Let not sin therefore reign in our mortal bodies. To, to make us obey its passions. Don't present our members, that parts of us, as instruments of unrighteousness. But the choice, present ourselves to God as those who've been brought back from death to life. And members as instruments of righteousness. We choose to select freely after consideration. This slide we talked a lot about last week. If you choose the narrow path, you're going to have very few people on it. And it's going to be hard. In the culture today that flows away from God, where approval uh, is, is all around walking away from God and not following. We have to choose to do that. You know, and so last week we talked about that choice to select freely after consideration. Our choice makes us either a biblical Christian or we've rejected Christ and his plan for our lives. You know, so this week we're, we're at a point Everything before this was becoming a Christian. From now on, for the rest of the study, five weeks left in the book of Romans, we're going to talk about how to live like a Christian. We're going to talk about how to deal with sin, which still comes after us, it, how, to, how to function in a culture that's, that is almost obsessed with sin and encouraging and actually mandating that we participate in it in different ways. So this is, this is at this turning point. We've chosen... And so we're, we're, we're moving on because in the next chapter 7, we're going to talk about how to deal with sin, uh, coveting idolatry next week. And then the week after that, the, the famous verse of Paul who wrote this letter, it says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. So he talks about wrestling with sin. That's chapter 7 that we go into it. But then in chapter 8, we see how to live as a Christian. The Roman 7 man becomes the Romans 8 man. And in Romans 8, we find that Christ fulfills us and our righteousness through his life in us. The Spirit lives in us. It transforms us. It changes us. We, when we pray, we, we, we don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit prays for us. We, we find as we follow Christ that no matter what happens, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. These are promises in Christ, the Romans 8 man, but it ends with the certainty that we all want. In all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. Through Christ, we win. We're convinced, no matter what happens to a follower of Christ here today, 
we are convinced that neither height nor depth nor principalities nor anything present nor things to come can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We stand secure in Christ Jesus. That's, that's where we're going, but that's, that's for Christians. We've got six weeks to be able to do that, but there's a challenge, and, and what I'm going to do today is actually a challenge because we live in a culture that does not promote Christianity. As a matter of fact, it promotes a false Christianity, a designer Christianity. The gospel, which is the good news of Christ that we've looked at for, for the, all these weeks, it's veiled, it's covered. It, you, can't, you don't even see it out many times in, in churches that are, that are Christian churches or pastors that are pastors. You don't see it. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of so many people inside of our culture, giving them a false Jesus, a false path. And this is talking about the people in churches. This is not outside. A time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They'll, we preach a total commitment to Christ. In other words, you have to lay your life down. We have to sacrifice ourselves, our will, our future for Christ. We, we, we talk about it and call it the cross of Christ. Now, a lot of churches don't even talk about the cross of Christ. It's a no commitment. It's just life enhancement. But the time is coming, so people accumulate them. Huge churches, the biggest in our nation, will go and you'll never hear about sacrifice for choosing life, for laying our life down. So we're actually taking a step and saying, okay, because of that, we want to make sure. We want to make sure that as we go forward, that we're not, that we're not deceived so I'm actually going to do the cliff notes of 15 weeks. I'm going to do it. I don't think it's going to take me a little over three hours maybe, but we'll get through it together. Those of you who survive, actually, hopefully, <laughs> I would be very lonely here, uh, and rightfully so. So today is about examining ourselves to see if we're of the faith. Before we go on, let's find out. Uh, let's look at the evidence. And, uh, we'll talk about a lot of that as we go. The next, for those who are Christ followers, oh my goodness, give thanks. Stop and think about this wonderful gift that Christ gave us through his death, this hope of the Holy Spirit, the promises of Romans 8. You know, you know I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will praise your name. That should be the song of a follower of Christ. And lastly, if, if you're here in, in, in transition, you don't really say, well, I don't know about this Jesus guy. I never looked at it or anything else. Well, this is the time. I encourage, this, is, this was a life verse for me when I, when I first started seeing the proof of the existence of God and, and him speaking through the Bible. I started reading the Bible. To those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. I spent six months reading the New Testament. Most of you know that story. Looking, evaluating, trying to find a reason. And I don't mean to reject, but just to be sure that I was sure that this was the real deal. I looked at the evidence. And I encourage everyone in that process to do that. And, and if we can help you, please let us know. So here we go. Spiritual track shoes on. Uh, we're going to go back and we're going to review the weeks. We started this series with a very simple point. How do we see the world? What is our worldview? When, when you read the news, and there's a lot of it, what's your filter? 
That was the title that Dion used for the first message, the filter. What's the filter we use to make sense out of the craziness that's around us? As a parent, speaking to moms today, when you, when you look at this little, beautiful, cute baby and you find out at some point they're sinners and they want to rule and reign and, and dominate your house, uh, what do you do with that? What's your worldview? Do you, do you have a biblical worldview so you understand? What's going on? When you look at the political situation in Washington, D.C., when you look at world situations with war being threatened on all sides, what's your grid? What's your filter? What's your worldview? A Christian worldview, we see that God rules over all. It's not out of control. And God's will for each person is what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, we're not going to see that here. But there will be a moment which we all look forward to when we stand with God and we look at all of our free will choices. We look at all of the events that have taken place to us. And at that point, we see that God was moving through our free will choices to bring us to him, to bring his comfort in. And we'll see the number of times we rejected it. But we'll see the times when he persistently loved us into that. So that's the Christian worldview. Secular worldview interprets life solely on the principles taken from the natural material world. No hope. So that's where we started. What's our worldview? Let's start. First worldview is the gospel. The gospel. Oh, one thing more. I want to talk about why it's important. Here's why we should be aware of false prophets. We talked about this uh, last week. We actually put these numbers up. Please read the, the reference that's given to us in the notes last week. Uh, I added these things up. Biblical worldview, only 6% of the people in our country have a biblical worldview. <coughs> The rest of it looked through a different lens where God is not included, God's control is not there. Uh, secular humanism, uh, moralistic, therapeutic deism, that's worth studying. Postmodernism, but syncretism, we pick and choose. I love that example because I did that before I was a Christian. If I liked some teaching, whether it was, uh, I always use karma as an example because everyone believes we want karma. Uh, we want a little bit of Hinduism and we always want to custom Jesus that we can modify our little pet Jesus, that'll be just what we want him to be inside of our lives. So all of this is out there. These are the false prophets. How do, we, how do we know the real deal? How do we get around the false teachers? Here we go. It's, the answer is Jesus Christ. It's that simple, guys. God spoke into our existence. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That is the good news, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew, to the Greek, to the Russian, to the American, to everyone. The righteousness of God is revealed by faith. We live by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by works. We don't get to heaven by working. We don't get there by doing this or doing that. We get to heaven by believing Jesus Christ. And, and it's not a, I always point this out for those of you who might be investigating Christianity. This is not a blind, foolish faith. Don't check your brains at the door when you come in. God gives us clear evidence and proof of who God is, who Jesus is, who, that the Bible is reliable. There's clear, objective proof for all of these things. And proof, and we'll get into this in a minute, that God created the world. This is, is 2,000 years ago when Christ came. That's a whole new deal. You know, during this time, uh, God continues to reveal himself. Because this is where we started, and in, in, this is Romans 1, the first chapter. It's the gospel, the good news. And then it goes that God reveals himself to us. 
This is the amazing thing. 32 known cultures in our world today, all of them have an afterlife belief and a belief in the supernatural. They document it, they live it, they follow it. Some are wacko, some are not wacko. Some are uh, biblical, some are not. But what can be known about God is known. He shows himself to us. You know, I, uh, his, his greatest proof is the creation we walk in. I know I'm, I'm an old bald dude standing up here. But do you realize I'm a miracle? Inside of me, in the simplest cell inside of my body, are billions of bits of information that are lined up exactly perfectly to make me the stunning stud that I am. Thank you. Uh, and there's trillions of cells inside of me and inside of you. This is no accident. You know, this, it, 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 it cannot be a tornado in the junkyard that makes a super hornet or an F-35. Can you imagine a tornado in Oklahoma going through a junkyard and boom, oh, oh, there it is, a, a super hornet sitting there. That's not going to happen. And, 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 and my life is so much more complex and so is yours than, than any airplane that's ever flown, anything that we've ever created, any supercomputer that we've put together, more bits. God reveals himself to us. Not only does he reveal it, makes himself known, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and his divine nature. Kids don't have any trouble with knowing that there's a loving God up there. They, until religion or something gets inside of their life, uh, we know. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Genesis 1, 1. Again, talked about it in Sunday school today. If you take that verse away, you've taken away the Bible. The Bible is no longer reliable for truth. And oh, by the way, just so you know, science supports creation. Science destroys the theory and the concept of evolution. Just if you want any evidence, we've got them in the library. Talk to me. Some of the books that are there, uh, there's a list of references that, by the way, that at the end of the notes that you have in your bulletin, that's just a part. If you've got your phone, you can go to the, the phone app and notes continue afterwards with evidence and proofs of everything that I'm talking about. You can go to our website. Once they post the notes tomorrow, you're going to find all the evidences that are in there that you can go and look up all the references that are, are there also. But this, this concept of creation, God makes himself evident. How, what's man's response? Well, it says, in, it says the next thing he does is that he turns around and we reject it. Rejection of creation and science. You have to turn your brains off to believe some of the theories that are out there today. They, we knew God. We didn't honor him as God. Claiming to be wise, we became fools. We traded God for a bag of lies. And so God has no choice because he's given us free will to choose to not choose, to accept him or to reject him. So he has no choice, but he gives us over to our choices. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because he exchanged the truth about God, that he is the creator and the lover, for the lie, and we, instead of worshiping God, we worship ourselves. We live in the age of selfie. Self-image, self-esteem, self-actualization, instead of Christ-image, Christ-actualization inside of our lives. Total transformation. What happens? 
When we do that, you see it in the news in our nation today. This is not hidden. This is not any mistake. Nick gave a message on this, this fall in our sexuality, in our definition of the family, in the way we treat infants in the womb as, we, as 60 million of them have now died. As we choose to do that, we celebrate immorality. We celebrate foolishness, really. Anything that raises up a standard of, of righteousness is canceled because we're now, we've woke to the reality that God is not real, that God does not have control. And we end up going through it to the ever. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust and purity, dishonoring their bodies among themselves. Uh, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worship and serve the Creator who's blessed forever. And it goes on. Let's go to the last one, to the next verse that's there, that talks about what's the end of it. Though they knew God and his righteous decrees, that those who practice all these sins, they deserve to die. Not only them, but they give approval. I've never seen immorality celebrated so clearly in our culture today. Pride of sin is rampant in our nation. So this is, this is the progression of, of a nation, you see it in our country, but it's also the progression of a person. So, so where do we go from there? Does God give up on us? Say, those guys? No. Next verse in, in chapter 2, we went from chapter 1 to chapter 2 of Romans. He says it's his kindness, even in our sin, even in our failing. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, his moral goodness and integrity and so, and again, for those who presume or disdain God at this or think little of God, and I love this word here because here's 2021, 20, entitlement. We're, we, we use that term quite often that we, we look at it. Many people will say, well, we're not, in, you know, this entitlement. We're entitled to. You should get the car that you deserve, the, the girlfriend, the body that you deserve. You should get all these things that you deserve. We're entitled to them. And he says, no, no. Do you presume on his riches, his kindness, and his forbearance, not knowing it's God's kindness that leads us to not celebrating foolishness, but to repentance? I went to the National Prayer Breakfast this week in, in Ridgecrest, and one word that was never mentioned, repentance. Our nation needs to repent, to pray, to seek God without a change of one's mind for the better, to heartily amend with abhorrence our past and present sins, if we don't look at the sins in our life, no, we don't look at other people's, and, and turn and say, Lord, I want to be holy. Our hope for our nation, hope for our families, hope for ourselves is repentance, that we turn from our ways and go to God's ways. And so we look back and, and we see God still reaching out. And, and, and in chapter 2, it answers a question that I think we've all asked. What about those people who never heard of Jesus? Not all those people who never heard of the gospel, that Jesus died for their sins. Well, there's good news. God answers that. He says that he looks at our heart. It's not hearers of the law who are righteous. It's those who do it. For the people all around the world and all the nations who don't have the law and know what the law requires or doesn't have anything written in front of them, they follow their conscience, conscience, with science, with knowledge in our hearts. Uh, long before I became a Christian, I knew what was right and wrong. 
I chose at the age of accountability to say no to God, to no to what was wrong, or uh, no to his control of my life, and yes, to do whatever I wanted to do. I, I seared and hardened my conscience, and many people do that today. We have to. But if we don't, I don't care where we are in the world, what our beliefs are, God looks through that at your heart. Because he's look, right now, honestly, he's looking at my heart, looking at yours. How are we responding to the truth that is in us? Do we, do we honor and submit ourselves to this unknown, unseen God? That's our choice. He looks at our heart. I love that verse. I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind to give to everyone according to his ways. He looks at our heart. But now, what about those who know? How about us here? Because there's no one here that hasn't heard of Christ. That's my guess. What about that? What's the hope for sinners? We need a Savior. Despite the psycho babble that runs around us, we're all sinners. We do sin. We do hurt other people. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We're in denial. And the last one says, if we say we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. But if we acknowledge him, he'll forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We were once dead in our sins. We, we follow the course of this world because we violated the holiness of God. Sin separates us from a holy God. Before uh, I was a Christian, I would throw prayers up to God, get me out of this and I'll serve you forever. I was a lion rat dog. I was just using my pet Jesus to get me out of the mess that I got myself in. So this, this holiness of God, we have to remove our sins to be a Christian, to go to hell, a holy heaven. Well, how do, we, how do we do that? Well, it's very simple. We need a Savior. And, and one was sent. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked this earth. We're, we're, we're saved not by works. We're saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. It, it gives us the promise by grace, which means just as, again, I, I defined it down below, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. For by grace that you and I can be saved through faith, not of ourselves, not of works as anyone boast. You know, I, when you get to heaven, you don't want to hear what a way cool dude I am and what I did. And I certainly don't want to hear you, your story. I want to glorify Jesus. Because if I did anything or ever do anything worthwhile, it's him through me. And so it's not of works as any man should boast. Now, as a matter of fact, if we, if we work for heaven, here's, one of the, here's that word again, entitlement. If we work for heaven or we try and work off our sins, the, God's payment to us, eternal life, is not counted as a gift but his due. I do this all the time. If we're working and we think we're righteous and we deserve heaven, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, okay, God, you owe me. Doesn't that strike something deep inside of us, standing before the holy God as a, as a sinner saying, you owe me, God. Give me some crowns. Give me eternal life. Give me this and give me that. That's just wrong. Works don't do it. No entitlement, attitude at all. So now we say we're saved by grace. Very simply, we come to the Easter message that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And this is actually the slide. God shows his righteousness, his correctness, his perfectness. It's not about the law. The law talks about what's right. The prophets tell us what's right. 
but it's through faith in Christ. There's no distinction. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But here it is. Justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who was put forward as a payment, a propitiation by his blood received in faith. Christ carried my sins and yours when he died. And if you're here and you have not accepted that gift, Christ has already paid for your sins. It's a matter of receiving it. The saddest message in hell is you don't have to be there because your sins were paid for by Christ. So by his blood, justified, made righteous, propitiation, a sacrifice to take away our guilt by faith, by repentance again. We have to turn. We have to turn from that. This is the promise that's given to each of us. Our hearts should be broken by the love of God when we see his death on the cross as a payment for our sins. You know, this is, this is straightforward. This is God's offer. So if you walked with us over these last several weeks, and, and we've talked many times about the proof that's there for Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks to it. The disciples who wrote in the Bible, it's inspired by God. It's teaching. It's for suitable for reproof, for correction. It's true. It's absolutely true. The Bible is true. And the witnesses that talk about Jesus died for that. We talk about that often. They died saying, this is true. I've given my life to it, and, and you can kill me, but I'm going to heaven. And that's exactly what they did, saying that it was true. He offered proof to his disciples then, put your hands in the wounds to make sure, have objective proof that I'm alive. You know, this, this fact that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them to give them proof, he does the same thing for us. We can read the eyewitness accounts. We can look at people whose lives have been changed by Christ Jesus, and we know it's true. We see the opportunity. We see the hope in Christ that he did that. There's an empty tomb. In, in some of the notes, you're going to find atheists that went out to disprove the, uh, the, the, the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brilliant people went out to disprove it. Ah, that's junk. And they became followers of Christ. Long list of names of atheists who became Christians trying to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Christ does something for us that we need to remember. When God rose Jesus from the dead, he accepted his sacrifice for our sins. The proof that we have forgiveness through Christ is an empty tomb. And it's verified in the history of the world that we can count on. So this brings us with a risen Christ to a choice. We can choose eternal life in Jesus Christ. Back to the basic verse. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. This is for Christ's followers or, make, or uh, make, to make you obey its passions. But present your members to Christ as instruments of righteousness. This is where we go. This is up to this point. This is where we're headed. And, and now we make the choice and we go on. But we don't go on with any boldness or arrogance on our part because the truth is our only hope for the future is the cross of Christ. We humbly go forward because the truth is very clear that Jesus Christ bore our sins. We don't work them off. We don't pay for them. 
It's a gift. He made Christ on the cross to bear our sins. He knew no sin, and he became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the celebration that Christians have. We know the cost of eternal life for us. It's very simple. It's not a duplex, guys. It's not a deal you cut with God. It's uncompromised surrender to him. If you want to follow Christ, we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross and follow him. If we try and save our life or even a part of our life that we know is sinful and, and we say, I'm going to keep that. That's mine. You lose it all. It's, it's love. Love is never 99% or 95% or 90%. It's either 100% or nothing. I say this in premarital all the time. No husband or wife would accept a 99% mate. 3.5 days a year, you go do what you want. That's not love. It's not love with God. It's 100% moment on. Not that we don't sin, not that we don't fall short, but we love God with all of our heart and we love our neighbor and we strive to live it out because this is the coin of the realm, if you will. This is the bottom line of Christianity. All the law, all the prophets, everything is bound up in our love for God and for others. That's what we strive to show to each and every one of them as we do that. Love God with all I've got and then receive the gift of eternal life. We all know and have heard John 3:16, but do we know it? For God so loved you and me that he sends his son into this world to die, to pay for our sins. Now we have a choice. We come back to that, that choice again. Do we believe him or not? If we believe him, we're saved through him. I love this. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because we don't believe in the Son of God. This is the judgment. Light came into the world, but so often people prefer darkness. We'd have to choose if we want the light or we want darkness. That's what's put in front of us in each of these. You know, the hope is our life in the in Christ Jesus, life no longer about us, it's about him in all the things we do. The promise, do we consider ourselves dead? That's 15 chapters, or 15 weeks, to come to this point to ask the very basic, simple question. Are we a biblical Christian? Have we come to that place of surrender? If so, we go on. If we have, and I just quickly review, a biblical worldview, do we see our life, our sin, our world through the lens of the Bible? Do we see God's will for us as good, acceptable, and perfect? Do we see, and this is so important, the heavens declare the glory of God? Do we see creation? You know, uh, I love babies. And uh, I, 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 somehow babies like me, I don't know. Maybe they're bald, I'm bald. I don't know what the connection is. But... But I like babies. I think they know because I like them. And I love holding babies. I love seeing babies because I'm holding a miracle. Do we see the miracle? Do the heavens declare the glory of God? Does God? Do we know that God formed this little miracle and we get to hold it, celebrate it, watch it grow up, take all of our money and move away? Do we get to remember that? <laughs> 
I got to say this quickly because it was just too funny. I've always made the comment that, you know, the kids grow up, they take your money, they put everything, you've bought them in a car and they drive away and you never see them again. So one of my children sent me a letter, says, you know, you've said that a couple of times in messages. And she says, so this ends that. And she put a dollar bill in. <laughs> bless you, daughter, bless you. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. I'm saving that dollar, by the way. Uh, very precious to me. Uh, understand, and this is critical for 2021 in each life here. We have a God that tells us the future. He tells us our future, whether eternal life or eternal death. But he also tells us what's going on around us. You know, the Lord doesn't do anything unless he tells it to his servants, the prophets. We are living in times that have been described by the Bible. Not only in Romans 1, the decay of a culture, which we certainly see around us, but we're also told that he does nothing in the world without re revealing it. We know how to interpret the signs, and I always love the example in Ridgecrest. When I first came here, the first weather sign that I learned to interpret were clouds on the mountain. Wind, bumpy, unhappy day. I was launching out of uh, uh, the base out there in, in, in my Cobra heading for uh, Lemoore, and I see the wind clouds. Go around down there, thank you very much. Uh, know how to interpret the signs of the times. Please, look at what's happening in the world today. This fig tree is Israel. It's back in the land. May 14, 1948, it became a nation. It's prospering. The world is gathering around it. We, many here, it says, this generation will not pass away. So people here are going to see Christ come back. I hope it's me. Again, that, that clock says, or that tombstone says, I'm already dead, so maybe I won't make it. But some here will. Look at the signs of the times. This is times parents tell your kids. Kids tell your parents. If they don't know Christ, if you've got a neighbor, a friend, a family member, tell them. This is, these are not times, you know, that, that we just blow all this off. Please, again, the strongest evidence for the existence of the power of God is the Bible and the changed life of a Christian. Be that Christian. Be that example to those around us. You know, that, that's the, the 15 weeks that we come to this, this place where we're at. Consider ourselves dead to sin. We're going to, chapter 7, chapter 8, we're going to talk about how to live out Christianity in our life. If you have not come to this place, to this decision to choose Christ, and we can help, please let us. Look at the extra information, please. That is, that is at the bottom of this. If you have questions, call, come in. You might, this may come as a surprise, but I love to talk. So come in, let's talk. Talk to myself, talk to Dion, talk to, talk to someone. You got questions, let's get them answered. And that text phone, by the way, is always open for questions. So text them in and we answer them on Saturday night. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're the God that rules and reigns, that you've shown us for 15 weeks, your path, your gospel, your good news that transforms lives, that you sent your son to die for us, to carry our sins, to carry our shame, to, to take our blame, that we might be holy before God, and that we might have eternal life with those who we love for all eternity. And in your presence, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
you know, as we close, just as a reminder, if we can help. Also, there's a prayer corner if anyone wants prayer uh, after this. Uh, please pick up your bag in the back, your ladies. We're not trying to make the mothers of this church bag ladies, but there are bags back there for mothers. So thank you very much for coming. See you next week.